RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines in a policy address phone in the chief secretary denies the government is using the lack of ledge opposition to force through controversial policies. Mr Matthew Cheung also described people falling asleep in LegCo during the policy address as unsatisfactory. And Hong Kong's highest court rules in favour of former lawmaker Leung Kwok Hong over a case he brought over long hair in prison. The Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung denies the government is using the lack of opposition in LegCo to force through controversial policies such as its land out tomorrow vision and voting rights for Hong Kong people living on the mainland. He was speaking on RTHK during a phone-in programme on the Chief Executive's policy address when a caller said the government should only deal with essential matters when there was, as he put it, a lame duck legislature with no electoral mandate. Mr Cheung denied the government was adding fuel to the fire. We're not taking advantage of the so-called little vacuum, absence of the pan-democrats in natural, to push through difficult things, but do it for Hong Kong's long-term good. The whole situation is... We are talking about Hong Kong going through now a difficult time with epidemic and also the international economic circumstances very difficult, economy in a doldrum and so on. It's time to restore Hong Kong back to right track. Mr Cheung described the policy address as very meaty, substantial and forward-looking, but some callers complained it lacked immediate relief measures given the coronavirus-driven economic crisis. The first caller to the phone-in criticised pro-establishment lawmakers for falling asleep during the more than two-hour speech, saying they represent the people in LegCo but weren't even paying attention. The chamber was filled with pro-government lawmakers following the disqualification or resignation of most of the opposition. One lawmaker was even spotted ordering hairy crabs during the speech. Caller Matthew criticised their behaviour. There were multiple people not respecting the, the policy address. I mean, I don't, I don't really see how that's much different than the pandems coming in there with their antics. It's just more subtle and more sneaky to, to surf on your phone and, and, you know, buy crabs and stuff like that rather than hold up placards and shout. Mr Cheung said the situation was not satisfactory. Matthew Cheung also spoke about the government's plan to revamp the secondary school subject to liberal studies. It was introduced to promote critical thinking, but pro-Beijing figures blamed it for last year's social unrest. Mr Chang was asked whether Xi Jinping's thought would appear in any future revamp. The answer is ideology is not the highlight of, of that particular curriculum, so-called revamping. You know, not the highlight is not the same as saying you're not going to teach it. No, no, no. We would touch on, for example, touch on, for example, the uh, the the uh, governing policy of China, for example. Meanwhile, the Education Secretary, Kevin Young, has clarified that students won't be forced to take a study tour to the mainland as part of the revamped Liberal Studies curriculum. Yesterday, Mr Young announced sweeping changes to the secondary school subject, including axing half the curriculum, changing the scoring to a simple pass and fail, and requiring students to take a trip to the mainland. Speaking after appearing on an RTHK programme, Mr Young said the government couldn't force anyone to leave Hong Kong. He said the trip wouldn't count towards the student's final grade. What we are suggesting is to make the study tour to the mainland as part of the new liberal study course. And the details, I have to leave it to the Curriculum Development Committee to decide on what are the requirements and what are the arrangements. But in our plan, the part on the study tour to the mainland will not form uh, part of the DSE exam, so it will not be reflected in the results. 
Hong Kong's highest court has ruled in favour of former lawmaker Leung Kwok Hong, who had complained of discrimination after his trademark long hair was cut when he was sent to prison in 2014. Ki Wong has details. It's a victory for the former lawmaker known as Longhair, who'd argued that the forced haircuts for men was sexual discrimination when female prisoners could wear their hair how they wanted. In its judgment, the Court of Final Appeal said there was no connection between ensuring discipline and the length of an inmate's hair. The judges also said the Correctional Services Department failed to prove that in Hong Kong society, men conventionally wore their hair short, while women had it both long and short. Mr Leung won his case in 2017, but it was overturned a year later in the Court of Appeal, which had said inmates' freedom was often curtailed and the haircutting aligned with conventional standards of appearance. Responding to the ruling, Mr Leung said justice came too late. He said it may not improve the treatment of young protesters who are behind bars, but he expressed hope that their rights could be protected. Today, the justice has been done a bit in the court, but I think... The, the justice uh, need to be done outside the court as well. We all uh, longing for the political right for everyone to choose our legislature and chief executive uh, in universal service. Cathay Pacific Airways flight attendant union says management has cancelled year-end negotiations that had been in place for a decade. It was typically used to discuss staff welfare and Bassoon is vice chair of the union. For the consequences of cancelling, permanently cancelling year-end negotiation is that we no longer have a scheduled, regular negotiation opportunity with the company. So basically, whenever they feel like, they can meet with you. If they don't want to, then we don't have the chance. Commerce Secretary Edward Yao has defended a plan to let cash-strapped Ocean Park run the Jumbo Floating Restaurant. In her policy dress, the chief executive Carrie Lam said the owner of the floating landmark had donated it to the theme park and that the restaurant would operate it on a non-profit-making basis. Critics say it's ironic that the conservation-focused Ocean Park is to manage a seafood restaurant. But Mr Yao said that there would be more to the jumbo than just seafood. Interesting for people to associate jumbo floating restaurant with just seafood. First and foremost, I think in this time and age, a lot of people, a lot of restaurant outlets are using sustainable food, including seafood, for their dishes. But I believe that, well, the revitalization of jumbo floating restaurants does not necessarily put it as a restaurant per se. Actually, the floating boat has been quite well maintained and has its its own character is well preserved and also it has a sufficient space for a lot of activities uh, not that's not confined to just restaurants the australian state of victoria has recorded no new coronavirus cases or deaths for 28 consecutive days with officials saying it's set a benchmark for halting infections here's the bbc's phil mercer the last coronavirus patient in victoria was discharged from hospital on monday there have been no reported infections or fatalities in Australia's second most populous state for a month. Infections, though, have been detected in other parts of the country. There are concerns the virus could escape into the community from quarantine hotels for travellers returning from overseas. But the Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt says Australia's success in containing COVID-19 is the envy of the world. 
The drugs company AstraZeneca has clarified that it's not seeking a new trial of its vaccine in the US, but an expansion of the current study into a lower dosage. A manufacturing error led to the administering of half a dose, followed by a full dose of the vaccine to just over 2,000 volunteers. Results appeared to show an efficacy of 90% in comparison to 61% in those receiving two full doses. President Trump has made comments that come the closest so far to conceding the election held three weeks ago. While insisting on his unsubstantiated claim that the poll was fraudulent, this is what he had to say when asked whether he would leave the White House if the Electoral College voted for the president-elect Joe Biden. Certainly I will. Certainly I will. And you know that. But I think that there will be a lot of things happening between now and the 20th of January. A lot of things. The new president will take the oath of office on January the 20th. The Electoral College is to meet on December the 14th. Saudi Arabia says it's begun a criminal investigation into corruption amounting to more than 325 million US dollars. Here's the BBC Sebastian Usher. This is the latest wave of the anti-corruption drive that the de facto Saudi leader, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, has promised to carry out. It began in the most startling way with the arrest of hundreds of the country's elite in 2017 who were rounded up and held in the luxurious Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Now, a new litany of cases has been announced involving the ministries of finance, health and education. But by far the biggest is at the defence ministry, with almost 50 suspects accused of fraud and exploiting their position for illegal profit to the tune of 1.2 billion Saudi rials. Poland's Prime Minister has again warned of the possible disintegration of the European Union if it attempts to make access to funds conditional member states upholding the rule of law. Matthias Marowiecki's remarks come during a joint press conference with his Hungarian counterpart Viktor Orban. Two countries have vetoed the bloc's $2 trillion budget and COVID recovery package because of the proposed new mechanism, BBC's Mark Eason reports. Mr Morawiecki said the decision to link access to EU funds with the rule of law was politically motivated and, if applied, would lead to the dismemberment of the bloc and perhaps its total disintegration. Mr Orban said those who conflate the two issues at a time when rapid decisions are needed to boost pandemic-ravaged economies are irresponsible. The pair signed a declaration saying neither country would accept a proposed solution if the other disagreed. Australia says it is extremely disappointed with China's decision to impose preliminary tariffs on Australian wine, further escalating diplomatic tensions between the two countries. In a statement, Australian Agricultural Minister David Littleproud said Canberra would fight the move. He said there was no basis for Beijing's claims. A short while ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,775. That's 43 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $53 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 103.93 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 19 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 36 cents. Sport now, and here's Atom Chung. Huge crowds of fans have been paying their final respects to football legend Diego Maradona in the Argentina capital, Buenos Aires. 
Maradona's coffin draped in Argentina's national flag and football shirt, bearing his trademark number 10 on the back, was on public display at the presidential palace on Thursday. Thousands filed past the coffin, and there were tense scenes as police tried to control the crowd. The BBC's Natalio Casoy was in Buenos Aires. The coffin, as you were saying, had already left the presidential palace where a public wake was taking place. And it was on its way to the cemetery where his body would rest with those of his parents who are buried there. It's a cemetery about an hour away from the city of Buenos Aires, west of the city of Buenos Aires. The family wanted to be short and be finished by 4 p.m. Argentina's time. They negotiated apparently with the government who said that they would extend the time till 7 p.m. And in the end, with all the problems happening outside, people trying to climb into the, uh, climb the fences of the presidential palace, uh, the family got worried and they decided to cut it short, closed up the presidential palace and decided to start moving the coffin to the cemetery. On the pitch, Napoli honored Maradona with a 2-0 win over Reca in the Europa League. The Italian club paid a special tribute to the Argentina legend before kickoff. The BBC's Eddie Adedoyan reports. One of Maradona's former clubs, Napoli, have been in action today in the Europa League. And before kickoff, there was a special tribute paid to the player who broke the world record transfer fee at a time that he joined the Italian club. All the players wore a number 10 jersey before their match against HNK Rejkak of Croatia. Maradona won two Serie A titles at the club, who planned to rename their stadium after him. Elsewhere in the Europa League, the English sides Arsenal and Leicester City have both made it through to the knockout stage with two games to spare. Arsenal dominated Molde, winning 3-0 in Norway. The Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta believes there's still plenty to come from his side. If we want to be fighting with the big clubs, obviously our numbers offensively and the amount of goals that we score have to improve because defensively, I think we had again four clean sheets in the last six games, which is um, pretty good, but offensive number has to, has to improve. An injury time equalizer from Jimmy Vardy gave Leicester City a 3-3 draw at Braga and a place in the last 32. Hoffenheim also progressed with a 2-0 win over Liberich in the Czech Republic. Tottenham defeated Ludo Goretz 4-0. AC Milan were held to a one-all draw at Lille. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. In a policy address phone-in, the Chief Secretary denies the government is using the lack of alleged opposition to force through controversial policies. Matthew Chung also described people falling asleep in LegCo during the policy address as unsatisfactory. And Hong Kong's highest court rules in favour of former lawmaker Leung Kwok Hong over a case he brought over long hair in prison. And that's the news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Friday, the 27th of November, is today's date. Many thanks once again to Phil Whelan for the morning brew. A rather busy show today. Just after the two o'clock news, we'll be hearing about one of the charities of this year's Operation Santa Claus campaign, and that is the Caritas Rehabilitation Service, one of the 19 charities that we're supporting this year. And our very own Angie Mann speaks to their project organizer, Chris Yip, and also one of the beneficiaries uh, that they're helping to find out more about the project and what they'll be doing with the money we raise for them. And before all of that, in about 10 minutes or so, we'll be talking to Rodney Cotier, who's the head of drama at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, also known as Lambda, about Three Queens, which is the latest production by the absolutely fabulous Theatre Connect. Now, the actors from the show are professional actors and also graduates from the Bravo Hong Kong Youth Theatre Awards Scheme. So we'll hear all about the scheme and about the play uh, in about 10 minutes.